What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Week 7 What We Saw podcast. I'm Eric Smith from QB List, and I have a special guest this week. Dustin Ludke is here to help me go through the week's action, catch you up on whatever you may have missed. Um, as always, our, our What We Saw team is uh, working on the articles as we speak. They'll have every single player covered, but Dustin and I are going to go through this real quick, catch you up on some of the big storylines. I was at the Bengals-Falcons game. Uh, we'll see if my voice holds out throughout this whole podcast as I was doing a bit of uh, cheering for the defense, but um, it was nice to get a fun win out of the way. Dustin, you you get a bye week this week with the Bills, right? So you're just kind of sitting pretty. So welcome. Tell everyone where you can uh, be found on Twitter and, and a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so uh, you can find me on Twitter at the dunit 13 um, I am our sit start manager for QB list. Um, so I manage our sit start team. We do sit starts every week, every game, every player. Uh, so you can find me the articles there. I have some other articles that come out. Uh, note my, uh, October dynasty future report came out on Friday and that actually just got mentioned yesterday. Uh, I don't know if you saw it, Eric and, uh, yeah. trophy smacks, uh, basically best things they saw in week seven article. So I was super excited about that, but yeah, you can find me on QB list or find me on Twitter at the dunit 13. Awesome. Well, yeah, happy to have you here. Uh, does great work on Sit Start, obviously. I'm sure if you all are listening, you're checking out the Sit Start articles. So since he focuses on Sit Start, though, he had a little extra time on his hands on a, on a Sunday <laughs> with what we saw team busy. So happy to have Dustin here. So um, yeah, let's just get up to it right at the top. We usually gloss over injuries a bit just because there's not a lot of big takeaways. But the big names this week are so big that we can't just save this for the waiver wire podcast. So uh, we're going to start out with the New York Jets rookie running back, Brees Hall left with a knee injury, had another big run, just looked like he was set to just have an awesome rookie year. Uh, Robert Sala is afraid that this is an ACL injury. We don't know this quite yet as of Sunday night. But, man, Dustin, we're losing all of our young rookie running backs. Um, Before we get into the specifics of this, like this is just – this is a bummer because Brees Hall was really looking like an exciting player. It is a bummer. I mean, between him, Dobbins, Swift, you know, Elijah Mitchell early on, it's just been uh, not great if you had a young running back group or you waited on running back. And yeah, I mean, I've been the anti Brees Hall guy most of the offseason. So I was turning around on my take on that and seeing him being really well. So it was kind of a heartbreaker to see him go down. Yep. Yeah. Javante Williams to that list. It's, oh, yeah, it's really Williams. rough. I, th- I think if we've mentioned this on past podcasts, but uh, you may want to just start stockpiling future first round draft picks because this young class of rookies is just getting wiped out. So yeah. I hope Brees Hall is OK. Hopefully it's not an ACL. We will see. But I think the big question for the Jets is they really become a team that is grinding out wins on the ground. They're playing good defense. Like, Dustin, do you think we should be chasing anything beyond Michael Carter here at running back? Like Michael Carter played 43 snaps today. Brees Hall only played 12 before the injury. Ty Johnson played 10. Like, would you be going out and getting Ty Johnson? Or is it like, it's just Brees Hall's a good player and that's why he's been doing well. And we're not going to see this from Ty Johnson. Yeah, I'm not going to go out and get Ty Johnson. I, I will say that I think you might be able to stash Braxton Berrios, the wide receiver. Mm-hmm. He's gotten a carry in every game and he's done off for like 15, 20 yards. He's only seen a couple targets here and there. But if Corey Davis is also injured and if he's out and if the Jets somehow trade Elijah Moore, which they say they're not going to, but he didn't play this week, yep. I could see a, an opportunity for Braxton Berrios to pick up some more more work just you know, in those those jet sweeps, those end rounds, maybe some stuff out of the backfield, uh, bubble screen. So he might be the person I might be chasing just for opportunities need to shift somewhere. But I don't think it's yep. going to be a running back. I think it's going to be more wide receiver. Yeah, I mean, you have to figure they're going to have to start throwing the ball eventually. Only uh, 29 dropbacks today, 24 rushes. They win 16 to 9 against the Broncos, but they are going to have to air it out eventually. So I would agree. Probably some more passes. 
like you mentioned though, Barrios two for 27 today. So he is a little bit of a part of that rushing game. So obviously it looks like a pretty great spot for Michael Carter, although just 13 carries for 29 yards today, but he did have a long reception. And I, I think I would generally feel pretty comfortable putting Carter in as like an RB two. Wouldn't you think? Yeah, I think he's going to be a solid RB two just by the, the sheer fact that he's going to have the bulk of the work from that running back offense. And yeah, Zach Wilson has been okay, but he hasn't been great, but they're definitely want to run the ball more. So we'll see what they do coming out of this week. And they've got new England, then Buffalo. So not a great schedule for them yeah. um, coming up. So you might be able to wait a week or two and then trade for Michael Carter cheap. That's true. If you're in a shallow league and Carter's out there though, um, I think we're unloading every last fab dollar that we have. I bet there are some shallow leagues where he was out there. Yes. So this would be the time to get rid of those. So agreed. Yeah. Okay. Next up, um, let's go to DK Metcalf here. We don't know a whole lot about his injury yet, but x-rays on his knees, knee was negative, um, but he, he'll he get an MRI. So we're still going to see, but yeah, DK Metcalf carted off with a knee injury. Doesn't look great. Uh, obviously they still have Tyler Lockett there, but Dustin, like this offense looks so good. Like, are we chasing a second receiver now for the, the Seahawks? Like, I mean, we want this Geno Smith passing game, right? Like this is what we should be chasing. It's funny. Cause I haven't thought of or heard the name Marquise Goodwin at all. <laughs> he was actually the Weddle answer yesterday. It was the first time like I thought of him in years or two. And then also he has this great game. I don't think you can chase it. I mean, if you're in a deep league, you're obviously going to add him just because of the volume um shallow leagues no i don't think we're going to uh add marquise goodwin even though he was four for 67 and two touchdowns on five targets today um i think they also want to get the eskridge involved i think once they can game plan for it i think it'll it'll shake out differently yeah it, it feels really really gross to go after marquise goodwin so i would tend to agree with you there uh you wonder i mean man the seahawks just won again like i i, I don't want to say that their demise is coming when they just put up 37 points on the chargers. But you wonder like, maybe this is the start where things slow down. Like this is kind of like a Cinderella story here. Maybe if DK Metcalf is out for a long time, but I don't know. It looks like Kenneth Walker is the real deal. So maybe they just, just pivot to a rush heavy offense and Geno Smith plays complimentary football. But I, I do kind of wonder if the DK injury is maybe like the beginning of things just slowing down here a little bit in Seattle. Yeah, it might be. And they have coming up, uh, the Giants, Arizona, and Tampa Bay, and then they have a week 11 bye. So I think they can afford with being a better running team uh, for those couple weeks and let DK maybe heal up for two, three weeks. He yeah. could theoretically sit out three weeks and then come back after the bye, you know, for the Raiders in week 12. So yeah. we'll see. But yeah, I think it's going to be a run-heavy team. Yep. Uh, that that checks out. Okay, another uh, bummer of a, a wide receiver injury here. Let's get to Mike Williams. Other side of this game and the Chargers. Injured late in the fourth quarter. Looked pretty serious. Looked like an ankle injury. Keenan Allen did return today, but didn't play a whole lot. Two targets, 11 yards receiving. I'm sure they were even easing him back in. But, man, this, this Chargers offense is rough. Uh, Justin Herbert dropped back 54 times today and only threw for 293 yards. Like, do we need to just in general uh, kind of reassess our expectations for this Chargers offense? Like, should we be chasing players if Williams is out, like uh, other receivers in this offense? Or is this just kind of like a situation to avoid right now? Uh, no, I'm chasing. I'm going after Josh yeah. Palmer if he's out there. Uh, he did well in the weeks when Keenan Allen was out. And I think if you still have, you probably still have Gerald Everett. I think he sees an uptick with Mike Williams being out. They are going into the buy, so you might see, you know, Josh Palmer and Gerald Everett hit your waivers if people need to cover those buys, and you could scoop them up if you have the roster spot. Yeah, and Palmer missed uh, with a concussion. I, 
you know, so that he, he should be back in full speed before too long. So I just worry about this Chargers offense in general. They don't have much speed to take the top off. It's been a lot of dink and dunk stuff. I mean, I, I trust Keenan Allen when he's healthy. I trust Austin Eckler, but Mike Williams would really take a big element out of this offense. I, they would really need Josh Palmer to step up because they were already without very many options. I mean, we saw last week when uh, the Broncos took out Mike Williams just from the whole game, like that offense was rough. So they need someone to step up if Mike Williams is going to miss time here. Yeah, but um, even week six against Denver, I mean, Josh Palmer, 12 targets, nine receptions, 57 yards. That's pretty good numbers. He only had really week four and five are the weeks he disappointed and week one. But I thought he was, you know, double digit points weeks two, week three, week six. So half the games he was decent when no Keenan Allen. So he comes back. They have a bye next week. So I think coming back to Atlanta, I think he should be fine. Okay. I appreciate your optimism here. I want this Chargers <laughs> offense to be awesome. So uh, we may it may take us some more time, but if at least they can get a couple functioning uh, fantasy options in the passing game, I would feel much better. So, uh, yeah, I would expect Keenan Allen to look a lot more like the Keenan Allen of old uh, next time out. So, okay, there were plenty of other injuries. Uh, we're watching Ryan Tannehill's health. Um, Nico Collins got banged up. There's, there's lots of stuff to watch. Uh, check out what we saw, though, for the full recap of what they saw during these games and how that affected things. So um, let's get on to the games that we really watched today that we want to go in deep on. And when I was at the Bengals game, you know, this was definitely one of those puzzlers. Um, This was Green Bay Packers 21 at Washington Commanders 23. I did not see any of this game. Dustin, you watched a ton of this. So uh, we'll get into some of the details here, but what happened? How in the world did the Packers lose to the Commanders? The Packers to me just look unbalanced and lost they only had 12 rushing attempts to 35 passing attempts very anti uh packers offense um they had some injuries lazard was banged up um but they just didn't look in sync i feel that i'm questioning if Rodgers should have came back at all this year like he looks not great he looks frustrated um the yeah. splits between Aaron Jones and Dylan wasn't great. Like Aaron Jones outsnapped him hard. Um, but the Green Bay Packers didn't convert on third down or fourth down the whole game. Like they could wow. not pick up a first down other than penalties. So there just was some frustration. Once Lazard went out, there was no one left. It was like Sammy Watkins here and there. Uh, Romeo Dubs dropped a key fourth and one pass. Mm-hmm. I mean, dropped it bad. It was fourth and one with like 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Easily should have caught it. I think that was the end of his day in Rodgers' mind. Like, Rodgers just stopped believing him. You know, they put Amari Rodgers out there, and he did okay on his three targets, but he had an early fumble. He actually had two fumbles, I think, this game. They just looked out of sync. It looked like they just – looked like they missed preseason is what it looked like. It looked like there was just no continuity in that offense. It looked like a bunch of people who had never played together. It looks like they're trying to find that other guy next to Lazard if he's healthy. They threw this other guy, Torrey, this other rookie who I'd never even heard of. He played 19 snaps. Amari um, Rodgers played 16. Dubs played 42 and had no targets or like no receptions. So yeah. he had a couple targets and dropped them and he was done. And when you have a Sammy Watkins playing a ton of targets, it just doesn't, you know, a ton of snaps getting targets. That's not, that's not a good recipe for success in 2022. <laughs> uh, maybe, you know, five years ago. Sure. Yeah. And honestly, Washington looked horrible. Like, they did not look good. Heineke had a few, you know, turnovers, and he probably should have had three more. There was a clear dropped interception that should have been picked off. There was a scoop and score that they had that got called back on a 
I'm going to say not a penalty. They called a penalty on like defensive holding or hands to the face or one of those. Mm-hmm. And then he had another one where he probably should have got strip sacked and like barely got it off like a second earlier. So he could have easily had three or four other turnovers and that would have really swung the game. Yeah. So they lost to a team that did not look good with Heineke. If you haven't picked up Sam Howell, you got to pick him up because I don't think Heineke's long for starting job right now. I mean, they're not yeah. winning and he does not look good. So yeah, it was a baffler to watch it. I mean, when you looked at Washington, you're like, they didn't play good. And you look at Green Bay and you're like, you didn't play good either. How did you lose when you have Aaron Rodgers? It's shocking. Yeah, and this is a Washington secondary that's been torched. I mean, this was like one of the top targets for fantasy receivers. So, I mean, Rodgers drops back 35 times, no sacks, uh, no okay. turnovers, but uh, he only throws for 194 yards on 35 dropbacks. Uh, Alan Lazard, uh, seven targets, six catches, 55 yards, most rece- receiving yards on the team. Outside of Aaron Jones, just by far the most used receiver. Uh, but he did leave the game a couple times with injury. Um, the yes. last time, it sounds like he didn't return with a shoulder injury. He so, didn't, and he looked yeah. he didn't look in pain, but he looked, on the, he looked frustrated on the sideline. Like, he knew he wasn't going back in. He knew he was injured. I yeah. will say, though, that Aaron Jones had a spectacular catch on the touchdown mm-hmm. that was like wide receiver level catch. You just don't expect a running back to make, but... It, yeah, it was. It became really one dimensional with Aaron Jones once yeah. Lazard was out. Even with Lazard in there, it was two dimensional. Dylan wasn't doing anything. He just seems to be out of place. And the rest of the receivers are just, they look like rookies. They look like guys who haven't played. I mean, Amari Rodgers hasn't played. I mean, Sammy Watkins probably shouldn't play. They just look bad. Yeah. Um, so it's just a frustrating offense for Packers fans. I'm, I'm in Wisconsin. So all the, I went down to a neighbor's house and they were like, I don't know what to do with the Packers. And no one knows what to say. Like, it's not it's not a, hey, the offensive line needs to get better or, hey, we need to get this better. There's just so many question marks across the board that no one knows what to do. Yeah, this is uncharted territory for the, the Packers. They've had some struggles, but this is this is pretty rough. Uh, it does look like from the snaps and from the routes run and everything that they really phased in Aaron Jones for A.J. Dillon, like you mentioned. Aaron Jones' 25 routes run were second most on the team behind Romeo Dobbs. So yeah. uh, 10 targets, that was most on the team. So do you think they, on purpose, kind of went heavy on Jones because they just needed to throw the ball to him? Like, is that why it was him over Dillon here, you think? Yeah, you know, it's funny because watching the game, there was clear series where this was like, this is Dylan's series, and he was in for every snap. Mm-hmm. It was just a series they went three and out. And it just seemed to be the Aaron Jones series would be the ones they would somehow get those third downs based. They would pick up first downs on penalties. So I'm not sure it's a necessity thing. I think it just I think it's just one of the things that fell that way this week where the drives that, that keep getting continued by penalty were Aaron Jones drives and the ones that A.D. Dylan was in on. Just went nowhere. I mean, that offense should look yeah. flat with both people, and I think they just got lucky with a lot of penalties. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So, I mean, this looks like kind of what we hoped for from Jones when we were drafting him early all offseason. The 10 yep. targets, nine catches, two touchdowns. Uh, it's not like this offense was firing all cylinders, though, so I'm not sure if they're going to look to repeat that every week. But uh, it, So if Alan Lazard misses serious time, we're probably leaning on Jones some, but it doesn't look like any of these receivers stepped up. Even Robert Tunyon fell back to earth, three catches for 32 yards. So I don't know. I don't even know that there's anyone to chase here, Dustin. Like maybe, man, I don't know what Christian Watson's status is right now, but like they need some juice in this offense. But did he go to IR? Like it's hard to keep up with all these injuries. In, in no, he's, he's got a hamstring injury. So Watson has a hamstring injury, not on IR, just out. Yeah. Um, 
If I own, even if I own Aaron Jones, I'm probably benching him. They play Buffalo next week, so my Bills yeah. are just going to shut him down because it is so one-dimensional. Yeah, they just don't have. They have no juice. There's no excitement. There's no big play. There yeah. was a big play that got thrown to Amari Rogers, and he was a step behind it and just dropped it. If he would have caught it, it was a clear touchdown. They're yeah. just missing that. And there's a couple plays where Rogers, you know, was getting that free play and wanted his receivers to do one thing, and they just did. He couldn't communicate to them on the field. There wasn't that just, hey, this replay, like Devontae Adams would just run down the field. He doesn't have that with those receivers. They just know what to do and know yeah. what he's thinking. So it looks bad. They got Buffalo, and then they have Detroit. So hopefully week nine they can turn around. Detroit, Dallas, Tennessee is 9, 10, 11. So maybe after that they can turn around. But then they got Philadelphia, and then Chicago, then the bye. So for the next few weeks, it's going to be not great. More up and down. You got Buffalo, and then you're looking at Detroit, which should be a, an easy win. Dallas is okay. Tennessee, you got Derrick Henry. Philly's yeah. looking really good. Then you have Chicago. So yeah, I'm down on the Packers right now. If you got them, I might be trying to trade them away. Aaron Jones is still going to be a low-end running back one for you, but he could easily get shut down because that offense is so one-dimensional right now. Okay. Yeah, and then, I mean, Dobbs, uh, he's turned his last 13 targets over the past two games into 21 receiving yards. So yeah. uh, he is certainly a bench for now, um, probably even a, a cut candidate, depending on how your bye weeks are looking. So Yeah, I mean, but, especially headed into Buffalo, he's definitely probably a cut candidate if you need to cover bye weeks. Yeah, rough times in Green Bay. Okay, well, I know you said that uh, Heineke did not look good for the Commanders, but um, anything else worth bringing up here? I mean, I know, I think we got a, a Terry McLaurin touchdown, so that's awesome. We, we like, did, and that looked good. <laughs> I will say if you play in a league with kickers, you cannot have Joey Sly on your team. I know we probably <laughs> don't talk about kickers hardly ever. Yeah. He looks, it's just an adventure watching him go. Like, it just, you never know. where. It's not like one guy where he pulls the right. He just kicks it all over the place. He's so inaccurate. He can boom at like 65 yards. We just can't get anywhere close to them. So he's just, it was just shocking to see him miss some, what I would consider gimme field goals and make some of these big long ones. It's like, how is this possible? Um, and then Brian Robinson, I love, I love the story. I love him coming back, but he just is so frustrating to watch because he is so, he's too patient in the backfield. He like waits too long. And by the time he sees something open, there's guys in it. Whereas Gibson just gets the ball and just plows ahead. He's just a fast runner. Um, so Brian Robinson, I think left a lot of yards on there. If he would have just gotten the ball and just run forward on a bunch of those plays, he would have picked up an extra three, four yards mm -hmm. instead of, but now he's just waiting. And I don't know if it's hesitation with his legs or, you know, this want to do really well, but Gibson looks like the better rusher and they're still getting rotated together. So yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, Robinson had 35 snaps. Gibson had 29. Surprisingly, McKissick had 12. And I don't think I ever remember McKissick being on the field. Right. Um, so 29 snaps for Gibson is great. And so I, it's yeah. so up mix. It's not a takeover like people were expecting with Robinson coming back. And Gibson looks like the better rusher. So I don't yeah. know what you do with that backfield. It's frustrating. I think Gibson's a solid flex and Robinson's a solid RB too. But any given week, Gibson could take over. Yeah. And I mean, this was a game script where they're in the game or leading for a good portion of yep. it. So they got to run the ball 38 times for 166 yards. But you're right. Robinson went 20 for 73, Gibson 10 for 59. So certainly uh, Gibson produced more with those looks, also scored a touchdown through the air. So yeah, I would expect games where they're trailing. You're going to see uh, a few more uh, J.D. McKissick snaps, although maybe Gibson can kind of steal some of that work too. But yeah, I, mean, I, I think at this point, I know people get really hyped on Brian Robinson, but he's 
lead back in a committee that has a shot at some touchdowns. He's not going to get a lot of receiving work. And that, that's just kind of where I'm at on Robinson. Yeah. Gibson, Gibson was in there for a lot of the goal line, you know, short yardage, 10 zone uh, plays, especially on passing downs. So yeah. uh, Gibson seems to have slotted into kind of that McKissick role, unless they're down by a lot and they need, you know, quick passes. That's why I think I see McKissick, but if it's just a third down, it's, it's been Gibson, I think. So yeah. That te- definitely ups his value. I mean, you're right. Robinson's the lead back in a committee that's 55-45. It's not 60-40. It's yeah. you know more closer to 50-50. So give me the guy who's got the passing work, and that's Gibson right now. Yep. And Jahan Dotson was out in this one. So you got both uh, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel with eight targets. I, I think when it's just kind of concentrated on the two of them, they're probably going to have some pretty good weeks. I mean, they've even got injuries at tight end. So, you know, five for 53 for Samuel. He's a pretty safe PPR play, I would say, in most cases. Yeah, they did have some injuries. I mean, you talked about, you know, Samuel McLaurin was out there. Dotson was hurt. You know, we saw Cole Turner and John Bates and some other tight end get mixed in. So they just are mixing in guys until they get healthy. And I think they've just given up on the season. I think they're trying to figure out what they have. So I think I could see Sam Howell playing sooner rather than later. I'm not sure if Wentz ever gets the job back, to be honest with you. I think they just roll with Sam Howell in another week or two and just stick with that and see what they got because they don't have a bye till week 14. So. Wentz is out probably till week 10 against Philly, maybe week 12 against Atlanta. I think they hold them out till after their bye. And then it's, you know, basically fantasy playoffs. You're not starting Wentz then. Yeah. Well, you know, they are three and four, uh, two and two, um, at two and two at home. Like they're, you know, they're hanging in there. So I don't know. We'll see how long until they mail in the season. But, uh, yeah, if the NFC East keeps looking good, uh, they may be behind the eight ball here pretty quick. So. Yeah. I mean, they're, but I mean, we're not going to see four teams from the NFC East make the playoffs. I mean, even in the yeah. NFC, that's not great. There's just not enough wild card spots for all of them. I mean, they'd have to take all three wild card spots, which seems unlikely. So, yeah. which was a, uh, just a, not a great game to watch in general. You know, <laughs> in the Packers uh, TV Marcus is the only game I had early. Yeah. So it's the only game I could watch. I wasn't lucky like you, Eric. You got to go to the Bengals game. So how was that for you? <laughs> I, I didn't know how to react. This is the first Bengals game. If it wasn't a three-point game, it feels like, in about a year and a half. So this was quite a feeling. Uh, Bengals win 35-17 to 17 at home against the Falcons. This was two straight weeks for the Bengals. They were back to their shotgun-heavy RPO offense, and it looks awesome, honestly. Like, they kind of not abandon the run, but they they realize what is working for them. Uh, that's running uh, quick hitters to Tyler Boyd. I'm um, getting the ball down the field to Tyler Boyd. Like this new style of offense really has unlocked Tyler Boyd. This is two straight weeks that he has looked excellent. And I think he's back to being a weekly starter. I know the temptation is that, you know, Jamar Chase and T Higgins, they're going to get the priority targets over Boyd and he's going to be a bit fluky. But the way this run pass option offense works, like they're sucking in the linebackers and they're hitting Boyd kind of behind them. It's opening up a ton of space. So eight catches for 155 yards and a touchdown on nine targets for Boyd. Like they just, this whole offense looked awesome. And I, I really think Tyler Boyd is the biggest beneficiary here. There's a lot more to talk about, but um, yeah, Boyd is my first like bullet point. Like he looked awesome. So let me ask you the question, because there was a lot of talk, obviously, was Jamar Chase as the top receiver, and yeah. there were some people saying Higgins could overtake him. Do you think Higgins is now the third, really, option in that offense, just based on how they're running it? Or where, how do you see that shaking out going forward with those three receivers? I, I think Higgins will still have his weeks. I mean, Burrow, Burrow looked incredible today, uh, was very accurate, was running the offense efficiently, and he was just spreading it around. I mean, 11 targets for Chase, 9 for Boyd, 7 for Higgins, even Hayden Hurst had 8. So 
I mean, Higgins still went five for 93. He almost had a touchdown. Like, we very could have easily added a touchdown onto his slate. Uh, so, no, I don't think we're worried about Higgins, honestly. This is going to – they're going to find them all. Defenses are going to adapt to this new style of Bengals offense eventually. And if they start focusing on Tyler Boyd, then, like, it, it could be fireworks for Higgins. You know what I mean? So, I, I just – I think in the past it was all just kind of bracketing Chase and Higgins and not worrying about anything else. And now that Boyd is cooking, like, it's really going to unlock a lot. So, I, I would be still just as com- confident with Higgins on my roster. Yeah, I agree with that. And we had Hayden Hurst get, you know, eight targets. Yeah. Six receptions for 48. That's pretty decent for a tight end. And Joe Mixon still had, you know, 17 carries for 58 yards and a touchdown. So he was still getting work. It's it's odd to me to think that an offense can have five, you know, <laughs> fantasy-worthy pieces besides the quarterback. I mean, you're talking Higgins, Chase, Boyd, Hurst, and Mixon are all probably fantasy startable. Yeah. And Joe Burrow. So I think that's great. Yeah. It's obviously not going to look this great every day. Uh, but I mean, the Falcons defense looked really bad. Like yeah. AJ Terrell got hurt at one point and they were already looking bad before that happened. And he left with the hamstring injury and it, the Bengals were just roasting them. So yeah, it, I don't know if they're all going to go off every single week, but I mean, the bar is pretty low for tight end. So I feel pretty comfortable with Hurst as a low end tight end one and Mixon's going to get his touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's, he's relatively involved in the passing game. So I don't know. The, the offense looked great though. 42 uh, passes for Burrow for 481 yards and three touchdowns. Burrow even rushed for a touchdown. Like he just looked, this was his best game of the season. So it, you should be very encouraged to anyone attached to this Bengals offense. Yeah. And Higgins was uh, seven yards away from a hundred, which would have given them three receivers for a hundred yards on the day, which is, yeah. Just absolutely crazy. I mean, it did seem like they were trying to get him there at the end of the game from yep. what I saw. What did you see from the Atlanta offense? Yeah, I was pretty disappointed, honestly. So they've been able to run the ball on a lot of teams this year, and they dropped down 14 nothing early. And they just had no change of pace. They had, it just It looked like they schemed coming into this week to run the ball every down, and when they got behind, they just had no counter to it. And it's kind of worked for the Falcons so far this year, but I think we're getting to the point where uh, Arthur Smith's going to have to come up with another game plan, another gear, something to get this passing game going because it was pretty brutal. I mean, they hit uh, a long touchdown before the half out of nowhere to Demir Bird for 75 yards. Uh, he roasted Eli Apple, who actually got benched in the second half. So that was uh, interesting to see. He huh. finally got benched. But yeah, that passed 75 passing yards of Marcus Mariota's 124. So it was like all on one play. Um, so I was very disappointed in this offense. Tyler Algier, I think, looks pretty good as a lead back. He he was solid. He showed some burst. He ran strong. I, I think he's a good enough RB2. He scored a touchdown um, until Corderell Patterson returns. But like, this passing game is just – they have to open it up more. It's its the NFL. You can't just run every play. Teams are going to catch on eventually, and that's what it looked like today. The Bengals were on the run. None of the trick plays were really working, the misdirection, and they just had no plan B in the passing game. Yeah, I agree. Looking at some of the stats, I mean, when Mariota only throws the ball 13 times, that's <laughs> not loss. great. I mean, he only <laughs> threw it 14 times the week before. Yeah. So, I mean, he's being efficient. He ha- he's not he hasn't put an interception up in the past three games and has four touchdowns over the past three games. So, not horrible. You know, six yeah. six rushes for 31 yards for him. So, Kyle Pitts owners are back to hating their <laughs> life. Um, what did you see from Kyle Pitts and, and Drake London for the, that matter? Yeah, 
Pitts just missed a touchdown. Uh, he they put him in motion uh, pretty close to the goal line and, and hit him real quick on it. And the defender was running with him and tackled him as he caught it at the goal line. Got reviewed. It, it got uh, declined. So it was no touchdown for Pitts. So just missed it. Uh, he was on the field for thirty-seven to forty-seven snaps. So that's great. Like that's in the right direction. Yeah. We saw him off the field way too much before. But again, it's just the way this offense is. He only ran fifteen routes. Like with all those snaps, he only ran 15 routes. And that's what happens when the quarterback barely drops back. So yeah. that's going to produce a three for nine. I Drake London, one target for nine yards. He was on the field the most out of all receivers, most routes run. Like it's just brutal. If you're only going to pass 13, 14 times a game, there's not much there. I don't know that we can start any of these players right now. Honestly, it's like the running game for me. And I, I, I'm at the point – I didn't think I'd get here with Pitts, but I'm at the point where I think you can bench Pitts even at tight end, which is just a brutal position. Um, I will say London, like, he did draw a lot of coverage from Chidobe Awuzie, the Bengals corner, who's super underrated, and he really did a good job on him. So, like, it was a tough matchup, but there's a lot of good corners in this league, and you just need more than 14 passing attempts to to get your fantasy players there. So it's, it's kind of similar to what we've seen from the Bears at times this year. Like, if this is how they're going to run their offense, we just can't play their receivers. Do you think we see Desmond Ritter anytime soon? You know, they're three and four right now, the Falcons. I would guess that as long as they're playing hard, they're fighting, they're staying in these games, they would stick with Mariota. Uh, Even this game, like they easily could have rolled over and they put up 17 in the second quarter and, and they were only down, I think, 11 at the half. They hung in there and then just got, you know, couldn't do anything in the second half. But I think if they can hang in these games, they can kind of talk the team into they're making a playoff run. Then you stick with Mariota. But if we start seeing more games like this getting away from them, then, yeah, I would say it's time to go to Ritter because Mariota, like outside of his rushing ability, I just did not see much here. No, I agree. And they have a week uh, 14 by so. Yeah. Late, real late bye for them, and uh, if they're in it, I think you're right. They'll stick with Mariota because they've been hanging in games. Their defense is letting up points left and right, but yeah, so far they've been able to keep up with most people. So yeah, I, I mean, different I, when you're playing the Bengals and their high-powered offense, but yeah, and I do think I mean it seems like the team's playing hard and they believe in themselves, and you know it's not like they've given up in the season yet. So I would think we've got several more weeks of Mariota, but eventually if they're looking at you know they're missing the playoffs, I would say it's Ritter time because I don't see anything long-term here for Mariota. No, I agree. I mean, he's yeah. in his eighth year. I can't see him sticking around for maybe as a backup next year, but yeah, exactly. But yeah. Anything else from that game? No, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's just, it's hard to say much about the passing game for Atlanta just because there weren't many, many repetitions. So it's just, uh, I, Huntley, Caleb Huntley was playing behind Algier looked fine, but it's, it's generally Algiers backfield until Corderell Patterson gets back. So he's probably the most fantasy relevant uh, Falcon at this point, but otherwise the Bengals are moving the ball like crazy. I would start anyone in this offense that you can, because it, it looked really impressive. And currently this is the third game without Corderell Patterson. They did not put him, or maybe they did. They did place him on injured reserve. So he yeah. has to miss at least one more game. Um, and then he's got the time to come back. So he may come back week nine, week 10, uh, possibly against either the Chargers in Week Nine or Carolina in Week Ten. So, yeah, and there's been some rumblings about Damian Williams, who they seem to want to start Week One, and then he got hurt right away. He may be back soon, but uh, yeah, I, I, I do think Algier's still worth a roster spot, and then we'll just see how the the health shakes out in that backfield. Agreed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you got to go to the game and see your Bengals win. So, yeah. 
Uh, I'm glad you were able to wash off the face paint to get back on for the stream tonight. And yeah. Record. I, I was telling you before the show, it's like 78 degrees. I was like, this is not football <laughs> weather. All my Bengals gear is like, you know, winter, winter hoodies and beanies. And I was like, man, I, I don't have a lot of options. So I've got a bit of a, uh, a rare October suntan, I think. So, um, well, but I survived. Hey, we'll, we'll take it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. All right. So next up, we are going to talk about the Chiefs 49ers. I suspect a lot of you all watch this one as well, but uh, Dustin caught a lot of this one. I was able to catch a decent amount and after getting back from the Bengals game. So I think generally how we expected this game to go, Chiefs 44, Niners 23. There was, I believe the spread coming into this game was like, Chiefs by two and a half and it just felt like one of those trap games it was like how how are they only favored by two and a half and sure enough we, we should have just all bet on the Chiefs because uh they really handled the 49ers here in this one yeah they really did it just seemed like the Chiefs wanted to kind of make that statement after the loss last week to Buffalo um that they wanted to kind of come out and show what they had um and show that they were still the Chiefs that everybody was expecting Oh, by the way, happy uh, National Tight End Day. If you didn't know, that's the thing they were talking about all across the game. So it's a great game to have Kittle and Kelsey. Um, and I think that was – it almost seemed like it was intentional to get them the ball a lot this week. Um, maybe because it's National Tight End Day and that's like their <laughs> thing. But it was really good. I mean, not good as a Bill fan, but good for the NFL to see Mahomes get back to being Patrick Mahomes. I do feel that some way – on. Casey almost seems too cute at times that they try to do all these like crazy motions and plays and yeah. Statue of Liberty where Mahomes is hiding the ball behind his back and fake handoffs. They're they're trying a little too much to play into what the, what Mahomes is, and I feel like they just need to just simplify a little bit because at times it did look almost too cute and they would cost themselves a little bit. But yeah, Juju Smith-Schuster starting to look really good in this offense he seems to be finding you know holes in the zone and he seems like untackleable at some level now he scored again this week which is a uh, second week in a row with a touchdown eight reception eight targets for seven receptions 124 in the touchdown yeah he just looked not like the juju of old but just like a new player where he was he looks bigger to me than I've seen him in the past. He looked very much like Debo Samuels, where you get him that ball and he can find that space and he just makes people miss and people are just trying to arm tackle him. He's just running through him and he just yeah. barrels through guys at the goal line. I was really impressed with Juju. And I think if you had him, you probably were unhappy. You've been unhappy with him so far. And if he's out there on your waivers, you want to go get him because I think he's going to be a focal point because I think they realize they can't just have it be Kelsey and no one else at this point. Yeah, I agree. I thought Juju looked really good. He's kind of that big slot right now that it's not your traditional old school slot receiver that's small and catching short passes like he is a physical slot receiver. And he looked awesome. I believe he had a, a touchdown called back by penalty, too. So he goes seven for 124 and a touchdown. I believe he could have had a second touchdown. So yeah. he certainly looks like he's on the same page now with Mahomes. Uh, Sky Moore is doing absolutely nothing in the receiving game. I've moved on from him in all the leagues where I had him because it coincides with Juju looking good now. So that was always one of the worries for Juju was Sky Moore being around the rookie, and that seems to be tailing off. So, that, yeah, this really does seem like it's Juju, it's Kelsey, and kind of a rotating cast. I mean, Marquez Valdez-Scantling gets 111 yards receiving. He'll he'll catch his big passes, but um, it really feels like it, this offense is starting to settle in. Maybe we can predict it a little bit more here going forward. Yeah, and McCall Hardman had three touchdowns today, you know, yeah. one receiving and two rushing. Um, you know, he scored last week as well against Buffalo. So maybe he's someone that's worked in a little bit more. Um, yeah. 
but yeah, Sky Moore has been just nothing. And I think part of that comes from he's really struggling in the punt return game, which is not something he did in college. So I'm not sure why they keep rolling him out there. He keeps seeming to struggle with getting into the ball, catching the ball. So I think that's kind of diminished his confidence a little bit. Um, so yeah, if you have Sky Moore, I think he's droppable at this point in almost all yeah. leagues. Um, I might take a waiver wire flyer on McCole Hardman just to see if he can produce. Well, they're on a buy, so maybe after the buy, picking them up, they got Tennessee, then Jacksonville, Jacksonville. So yeah. two defenses I think they can score on. They seem to be working him in. They've given him some running plays, which is shocking because reports came out this week that Isaiah Pacheco was going to be the starting running back, and he did start the game as a running back, but <laughs> they still worked in CEH quite a bit. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had six carries compared to eight for Pacheco. I, I don't know. Pacheco's still doing kickoffs. I can't remember the last time a team had their quote-unquote starting running back doing kickoff you know, return. Yeah. It yeah. seems like if that's the case where you want to go long-term, you find some other option back there because you just don't want your starting running back taking those kind of hits. Mm -hmm. So I think this was more a gimmicky thing this week to get Pacheco uh, kind of some confidence. Uh, snaps were pretty equal between the three of them. And so, I, yeah. And McKinnon actually led the way, 28 snaps, Pacheco yeah, 19, CEH 17. That late game, like they're up, I'm going to stick McKinnon in so no one else gets injured type role. Yeah. Um, so I think there's a lot of, you know, hype for Pacheco this week, but I don't think it played out. I think it's one of those backfields that's 50, 50. Um, and we'll see where that yeah. goes, but yeah, I would agree with you. I mean, Pacheco looked good on his kick return. Like he's a talented player. I just don't know. Is he going to get more than eight carries in very many games? I don't really think so. Not much of a receiving threat. As far as CEH goes, like six carries, 32 yards. You got your touchdown, though. That's kind of the weekly thing with CEH is are you going to get your touchdown or not? But yes. he only had one target today. And if that passing game involvement stays like that, he's going to be so boom bust on touchdowns, which he's going to pay off a lot of weeks. So this is Chiefs. But when he doesn't score, it's going to be pretty brutal if he's not catching passes. Yeah, and what's crazy is that Pacheco is 5'10", 216, and CEH is 5'7", 207. But CEH looks bigger than Pacheco. just looks like he's more of a bruising runner, even though they're about the same size. Like something about them on the field, they just don't look the same. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they both averaged, you know, over five yards per carry. That offensive line was making some huge holes for them against a quote-unquote good defense in yeah. San Fran, but didn't play well this week, so... Yeah, it's hard to keep track with San Fran because they've got an awesome defense. They also have a ton of de uh, defensive injuries. So it's kind of like a rotating cast of who's healthy this week, who's not, who was in the game at this point, who left early. So, yeah, uh, they definitely are a good defense when they're at full strength. But, um, you know, I, I guess I would just say one note, too, on Pacheco and CEH is – I think we should be careful when we hear these reports that, uh, you know, Pacheco is the starter. That's what we heard before this game. I, the starter for a head coach and the starter for a fantasy manager, I think, are different things. Different. And Pacheco can start the game and not lead the team in snaps. So I would just – we've probably said it before, but I'd be wary when you hear that from coaches. Like, just because a running back starts the game, it just means he's on the field for the first snap. We don't know much more than that, really. And the only – yeah, and there was no reason for him to start. Like, it's not like CEH has been bad and he's been good. Like there was just they it seemed like they just wanted to do it to give Pacheco that confidence and change things up. It really yeah. didn't factor into the game at all. Speaking yeah. of people who should have started, <laughs> the big trade, Christian McCaffrey to the 49ers. Yeah. Um, I was happy with what I saw this week. I wasn't expecting, you know, a full, you know, workload for CMC coming in because he got the playbook Friday <laughs> and did a walkthrough Saturday. Yeah. Um, 
Did you catch any of that? What do you think of that backfield mix in San Fran with McCaffrey and Jeff Wilson? And yeah, it. So I mean, just snap wise, it was twenty six for Wilson, twenty two for McCaffrey. Uh, Tyrion Davis Price was back, had twelve snaps, and then uh, Kyle Uzcheck's obviously out there a lot. He he actually played a lot of third down snaps. Uzcheck did. So I, I think the part that worries me is only two targets for McCaffrey, but first game on the team that makes sense that that might be the role that he's not quite ready for is the passing game role, just, you know, learning the offense and everything. So Ed, for me, that's a hundred percent what I'm looking for here with McCaffrey is, is he going to get six, seven, eight, nine targets in his games uh, in San Francisco, or is that going to drop down? And so as long as next week we see him on the field, I, I can't imagine he's not the lead back. As long as we see him out there catching passes, I'm going to be just fine with McCaffrey. So I, I'm willing to chalk this one up as, as first game with the team. Yeah, I agree. I think this is McCaffrey's backfield going forward. The plays where he did get the ball, he looked like Christian McCaffrey. Um, just, you know, great vision, finding those holes. That offensive line seemed to really have a little more pep in their step than I've seen in previous games where it seemed like they wanted to open up some holes. Yeah. Um, and I like Jimmy Garoppolo, but he looked <laughs> unsure of things outside of throwing to Kittle. I mean, he looked like he yeah. just couldn't trust his hip. I don't know if it's himself or what it is, but he looked just lost. Like, he threw one inter- he threw up a ball for an interception that just should have never been thrown. And he threw a touchdown to Ray Ray McLeod that he sh- that shouldn't have been a touchdown. He just chucked that ball up there. It was so underthrown. Ray McLeod was lucky enough to come back and get it. They really bailed him out. Otherwise, he would have had a really bad game. He just seems weary out there. So I think I can see them trying to work McCaffrey into the passing game um, mm-hmm. to free up Jimmy G so he doesn't have to throw the ball a ton and he can kind of have those outlet fouls because I think he needed that. He had a ton of pressure this week. I mean, he threw the ball 37 times, which isn't outrageous for him. Completed 25 of them for 303, uh, two touchdowns and interception. But like I said, probably one of those touchdowns should have been an interception or should at least not been a touchdown. Yeah. Um, so, and he lost a fumble as well. The line looked great for run blocking, but did not look good for pass blocking. So, yeah. I'm not sure what to do with this uh, San Fran offense. I think for me, it's, you know, CMC, Kittle, Ayuk, I think will get worked in. And then I'm kind of really down on Debo right now because he just seems odd man out. Yeah. Um, yeah, let's get to Debo. I mean, so it looks like they're scaling back his rushing game work, which makes sense. I mean, yep. he's a really good receiver. Now you have some more running back help. Let's get him out there to be a receiver. But I mean, this week, seven targets for Debo, uh, 11 for Ayuk, nine for Kittle. It's really encouraging to see Kittle have two straight really nice weeks. So that's exciting. But yeah, I'm a little worried about Debo here. There is a lot more passing competition now than we've seen in the past with Kittle, Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey. So he's going to have to earn those targets. Not that he can't, but um, if we're scaling back the rushing work now, he's kind of in a dogfight for the maybe limited uh, targets in this passing game. Yeah, what worries me is uh, yards per target for Kittle was 10.8. Ayuk was 11.7. Debo Samuel's down at 8.4, which is like one of the lowest it's been all season. It had been up in the 10, 11. Yeah. Know, week four was at 19. If he's competing for short yardage work, that's where McCaffrey excels. Um, yeah. I think they're smart to get Debo less carries because I don't think they want to do the wear and tear on his body because I think they're looking long term. Yeah. Um, so if it comes down to short yardage work, you know, those bubble screens, those short little, you know, when it's through third and three and two and, you know, he, they just need to pick up a first down. That's where McCaffrey is going to shine in this offense because I think he's uh, just a different player than what Debo is. Debo does really well when he's in space. 
McCaffrey makes space for himself, which I really like seeing. They have the Rams next week, and they've always played the Rams tough, and then they have a bye. So I'm looking after the bye for them to really work McCaffrey in over that bye week and come up with a different game plan. So I think we're going to see a whole new offense after the bye for San Fran. Hopefully Jimmy G can get some confidence and fix whatever seems to be wrong in his noggin because it just seems like he just chucks the ball up for some reason. Kind of looks a little bit like Carson Wentz out there, which is not a good comparison at all. Yeah, it always ha- seems to happen in the red zone, too. Just like the worst possible situation. Yep. So um, I will say on Debo, they've kind of scaled back his rushing for a few weeks now. He's only been getting two carries a game, one carry a game over the last four. So, yeah, it's going to be curious to see it coming out of the bye, like you mentioned, because if you just looked at the players on this team now, this looks like a passing offense. You know what I mean? Like they have a ton of weapons, ton of explosive players. Yep. You want to get the ball in their hands. Um, McCaffrey on the ground, obviously, you can run the game through him, but – I, I like if you had a better quarterback, I think you would kind of want to just air this air this out and spread this offense out and really attack teams. So I'll be curious to see. I, I don't think they're going to want to do that with Garoppolo, but how they kind of find a middle ground between maybe protecting Garoppolo some, but also spreading things out here. Yeah, it's crazy when you look at it, you're like, oh, they're a pass team. But if you look at it, if I were to say, hey, the team has McCaffrey, Jeff Wilson, and possibly Elijah Mitchell, you're going, okay, that's a that's a well, three that's solid running back. So yeah, I think they're going to try to be balanced. I think getting the ball out of Garoppolo's hands as much as possible is going to be the winning solution for him. Yeah. You know, if they can get him down to, you know, under 35 passing attempts, I mean, he had 37 this week, but if they can get him down to in the, even in the under 30, that's when I think he's going to do really well. So yeah. I think that's his sweet spot for him. I don't think they want him passing 35 plus times a game. Nope, he took five sacks, lost a fumble, threw a pick. So yeah, yeah, the line just didn't do great pass blocking for him, but they did. It just seemed like the whole team had this energy with McCaffrey, and when he came in, the crowd was just cheering. They were booing when he was going out, especially <laughs> on goal line work. Yep. So I think he just brings that extra just energy. Maybe it's only for this week of like, hey, we got this dynamic player um, on our team. Let's do well for him. And then when those passing plays, they were like, okay, we've given enough energy already. We can't do anything. And Garoppolo looked bad. And Casey has a good defense. Um, so maybe that was part of it as well, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, that is a good point though, that you brought up that they got a bye week coming up. So if we are going to see changes in this offense, it may not be next week, but it may be that chargers game coming out of the bye. So keep an eye on that. I don't know if there's anything else in this game you want to talk about here, Dustin. Um, of course, Ray Ray McLeod had a nice game. I don't think we're running to pick him up though, but anything else we missed here? Is that pretty much wrap up this? Chiefs I mean, I think if you have Kittle, I think you were worried about him. Yeah, you know, he obviously missed the first two weeks and then was kind of so-so. I think he's back to being George Kittle. Nine nine targets this week, ten last week. Um, you know, almost he had eighty-three yards last week, ninety-eight this week with a touchdown. I think you can go back to trusting Kittle as a surefire tight end one um, for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's always been a little boom bust, but the efficiency is just there. I mean, he it just is. is a big play target, and not many tight ends can can say that. So, yeah, it's it's funny. <laughs> I was just looking at the leaders for the week and uh, we've got two Bengals receivers at the top and then two Chiefs receivers as far as wide receiver scoring. So uh, it's kind of like, man, this year it's been kind of like find some of these good offenses and latch onto them because all these other offenses are looking terrible. So I do think the 49ers kind of qualify as a good offense and I would still be looking to keep all these players, even if Jimmy Garoppolo is leading the way. Like we, we got about six offenses we like this year, Dustin, and then it's pretty rough other than that. Yeah, I mean, even talking about we have two Chiefs you know, two Bengals, two Chiefs, then we've got Paris Campbell and Marquise Goodwin. So two names we weren't expecting to be anywhere close to the top of the leaderboard as number five and number six on the week. So definitely an interesting week for scoring across the league. Yeah. 
I'm definitely going to check out the uh, what we saw articles on uh, Paris Campbell. I want to see how he finally had a good week because we've waiting, been waiting for that for about five years, it feels like. So. Yeah, and I'm not going to say that, you know, I'm curious too because I was expecting Alex Pierce to have a better week. He still had, you know, four catches or four receptions or three receptions, four targets, 37 yards. Not what I was expecting, but, yeah. you know, it's still a decent week. So I'm wondering if that's uh, indicative. So that'll be an interesting article. I can't wait for that one because Matt Ryan also did not play well from what I saw in the box scores and highlights. So yeah, an interesting one. Yeah. And we joked about Paris Campbell, I think last week's podcast, he was, he was on the field for like 95% of the snaps last week. So, Hey, he's been playing. I guess if uh, you're out there enough weeks, the ball will find you. So 10 for 70 at a touchdown. Good to see it from Paris Campbell. We, we joke about him a lot, but I'm glad he was we on know. the field and healthy. So uh, hopefully we can get a little bit more of that going forward, but um, I don't know, Dustin, you got any other last uh, takeaways before we get out of here? Or is that, that wrap up everything you saw on this? That's Sunday? everything I saw. I'm curious to see the articles because just looking at some of the box scores and highlights, there was a lot of things I have questions about. What happened with Tampa Bay not scoring any touchdowns? Uh, the Pollard and Zeke split for Dallas was interesting. Obviously, we talked about Paris Campbell. So there's a lot of interesting things to, you know, look at this week. You know, Carolina back. Carolina comes out and wins with a, without Christian McCaffrey and Robbie Anderson and that backfield split was interesting. So, yeah. you know, I can look at the box scores, but it's so much different when you see someone watch the games and kind of get that insight. So I'm looking forward to reading the articles on some of these situations that were perplexing this week. I think this was an odd week for a lot of us, you know, fantasy players of just like what happens and what really, what really happened is what we need to know. So yeah, good to see that sure. article. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining me, Dustin. Again, everyone, that's at VDUnit13 on Twitter. Um, he, he manages our sit-start team. They do awesome work. So you'll see him on that article most of the season. But uh, good to have him here for the What We Saw podcast. Uh, please check out the What We Saw article. Ben Brown manages that and does a great job. That'll be up probably by the time you're listening to this as well. So um, as always, thanks for listening, everyone. We will have our Waiver Wire podcast coming out Monday night, Tuesday morning. And then we'll be back with uh, more sit-start on Wednesday night, Thursday. So I uh, hope y'all uh, hope hope your teams did all right in week seven. Got a little bit left here, but um, hopefully you avoided these injuries and I'll talk to you.